0: This South by Southwest podcast brought to you by the Texas Advanced Computing Center. I'm Jorge Salazar. John Fawner is part of the Life Sciences Computing Group at TAC, and Ryan Dooley manages the Web and Cloud Services Group. Plus, he leads the Agave API Project. Fauner and Dooley present a hands-on four-hour workshop for South by Southwest Interactive on Tuesday, March 17th, starting at 9.30 a.m. It's called Science as a Service, and Other Their Lives, Hacking Big Data on the Web. Here's Ryan Dooley, later joined by John Fauner, in answering my first question, who should come to the workshop?
1: First and foremost, it's it's for the, the kind of people that are going to be at South by. So um, geared towards developers, geared towards people that have a a passion and an interest in science—not um, just where science is at or science generally, but in seeing um, kind of the, the evolution of, of computational science and where we're going in the, you know, the next few years.
2: Agreed. I mean, developers, hackers, people with ideas—those um, are the type of people we hope will attract and, and hope will really enjoy what we have to say.
0: That's what's cool about South by Southwest Interactive is that it attracts a whole mix of different people. Um, I know that South by Southwest is trying to attract, um, is trying to get more involved with science. And I think that's what, what you guys are there to talk about, um, science as a service.
1: Science as a service is just the, kind of the shift of, of getting away from the ones and zeros that for so long have been involved anytime you want to do anything computational. Right. So for the, we lost about a generation of scientists to uh, computer science really you know great biologists great physicists great chemists um, people from all domains were they're stopping doing the science that they were they were called to do and they were instead dealing with stuff like you know data management stuff like you know how to administer and run large-scale systems how to compile codes how you know implementing a lot of different algorithms just to, to start doing their science again um, and a whole generation was was lost doing that. Well, um, we we believe that we're at a point where we can turn back to the science, right, and stop stop thinking so much about the underlying infrastructure and really focus back on the the questions at hand, the questions that are going to impact society and they're going to impact our lives. So when we talk about science as a service, what we're really talking about is the ability to think about your science, right, and and interact with with your data and with um, your experiments in a way that is really thinking in terms of the problems you're trying to solve rather than the machines you're trying to solve them on.
2: Having had the opportunity to work with a lot of domain researchers that are in the life sciences that have um, a very large computing component to the types of analysis that they need to do, uh, the the field, the domain field, is just a total patchwork of individual codes out there that have uh, very specific assumptions on the type of system that you're running on, uh, the types of algorithms may have very different hardware requirements um, and the data volumes now for the, the, a lot of the next-gen sequencing questions are just huge. And this has put domain researchers, like Ryan says, in a position where they're now uh, either hiring sysadmins or, or serving as sysadmins. You know, their grad students are being pulled in, sucked into these things, they're running software. And um, now it's in a place where we have a neat ecosystem of tools that are out there that can solve some of these problems But knitting those together into a fabric where you can actually get the solutions and the results that you want um, is a very manual process. And it doesn't have to be. We want to talk about the the tools that we have and um, the way that we've been tackling this problem and really taking it from a place that is um, inaccessible to most biologists and really only accessible to the most technically savvy uh, scientists that are out there and putting it in a place where pretty much anyone can have access to it. Um, and then they can just go focus uh, on what they want to do get back to the bench and the wet lab and do the things they love and, and contribute the way they want.
0: And what you've done is, is more than just talk about this. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, the Agave API and the, I guess that's, um, that's one of the things you'll be talking about at South by Southwest. Yeah, so
1: the Agave platform is a technology we've been developing here at, at TAC as, as part of the iPlant collaborative project and the, the Rabidopsis informatics portal for, um, oh, three, four years now. You can think of it like a Salesforce for science, right? It's just uh, a bunch of APIs, um, a lot of solutions for things like um, federating authentication, for um, single sign-on, for interacting with your, your applications and your data. It, it gives you all the stuff you need to build your digital lab, right? So that you can just focus in on the, the kinds of things that you care about. Um, there's a lot of tooling built out around it, so um, you know. In addition to the APIs, we also have SDKs in a lot of different languages. We have um, boilerplate templates of of web applications that you can just pull down and, and start interacting and, and just working right out of the box without having to, to actually build anything yourself. But what we're trying to, to do is provide you the, the tools to, to get the, an answer box, right? So you can you can come to this technology platform. You can you know drop your questions into this answer box and answers come out. right? You don't have to think about all of the the things that go into it, which is a lot. um, And hopefully it'll produce better science.
0: And it sounds like you've listened to some of the ideas that really resonate with the startup community. What can scientists learn from entrepreneurs and startups and vice versa? What can what can entrepreneurs and startups, or what can they learn from scientists?
1: I think there's a lot of similarity, right? So I, I mean, it feels like we've been in startup mode for a few years now because we face a lot of the same challenge, you know. And our, our VC is is the National Science Foundation, right? I, I think probably the the pitch rate is about the same as to <laughs> to a lot of other places, but we've had to to figure out, you know, wh- what our market was. We had to figure out. Um, what technology was really going to drive value to people? We've had to be very agile, very flexible to to iterate and to evolve that over time to, to meet the needs of a, a, an ever-changing science community. Right? The technologies we use today, the technologies that people come to us expecting to use, were, are are very different than they were even three years ago. So, it's this is rapidly evolving landscape. And you know, in the middle of that, we still have to deal with stuff like hiring. We still have to deal with things like scaling. I mean, we when we launched, we. We went for through two years of forty uh, percent growth monthly, right? So that's that that required architecture of you know just fundamentally how we built it in the first place, and that's a good problem to have. But you know it's also a um, it's one of those problems that you run into as you're you're a, a growing technology. So um, we're really excited about it. We we go to South by every year, um, hoping to. Uh, to learn much, much more than we share, because uh, we think there's a lot of great lessons to be learned that in the the, the startup space and in the commercial space that we can absolutely um, take with us back here. Um, one of the other things that we've seen is that the line between what's you know the kind of problems, technically speaking, the kinds of problems that are going on in in the commercial space and the ones that are um, facing researchers as they're they're doing computational science um, are converging. Right? They're they're not that different anymore. So um, I think South by is becoming an increasingly relevant uh, conference for the, the academic community, and uh, you know every year you see a few more people. Every year you see a few more listings on the, the program, and, and thankfully we get to be a part of that this year. Uh, but I think that's a trend that's going to increase, and we're really excited about it because it gives us an opportunity for better collaboration with industry and also with each other.
2: Yeah, I think traditionally in academia, you know, you've seen a lot of scenarios where, well, and, and it's still today the major product of academia, right, is our publications and papers and. Um, there's a lot of hierarchy and things like that within the academic world. as these senior researchers are able to publish in places or do things that are not necessarily accessible to other groups. Um, and within the life sciences space, you see a lot more of this startup mentality. In that um, very small labs now can pull down, uh, you know, open access data and start to do some really novel things with them. Um, and the Agave platform is really, you know, seeking to extend this sort of democratization of ideas and and the accessibility for people to come and start using those. Um, you know, Next-gen sequencing is about eight years old uh, at this point, and um, it was a very radical and disruptive shift in the field. It's, it's been very positive, don't get me wrong, but um, none of the software tools that you had to work with the, the previous generation of data were prepared to, to handle the volume of data that we're looking at now, or the, the types of reads and things like that. And so what happened when, when these techniques came out and became really powerful is that you might have individual grad students that are working on you know, solving a very specific problem. They write up a set of scripts or some piece of code that solves it for themselves, um, not really thinking about the network effect. And because of the demand, you might see that become the de facto and standard tool um, across, you know, across a very large swath of highly funded research globally in many cases. And so this has been a field where, where really small players with ideas or approaches about solving things um, really bubble to the top and the way to you know, release that software, the way to get reproducibility, uh, things like that, has been really difficult in the past. Uh, so the Agave platform really seeks to make a lot of that a lot more accessible so that you can, as a small lab, produce a product, um, you know, produce a piece of software, a data set, get that out there in the public, be able to collaborate be able to share the app with others, um, be able to kind of track the provenance data of how it works and, and uh, the reproducibility information that you need um, to be able to publish and share and, and uh, you know, push the field further down the road.
0: You've been listening to Ryan Dooley and John Fawner of the Texas Advanced Computing Center. We hope to see you in Austin for South by Southwest Interactive.